The Hobbit, Chapter 6, Out of the Frying Pan, Into the Fire, Part 2. Now you can understand why Gandalf, listening to their growling and yelping, began to be dreadfully afraid, wizard though he was, and to feel that they were in a very bad place, and had not yet escaped at all. All the same, he was not going to let them have it all their own way, though he could not do very much stuck up in a tall tree with wolves all around on the ground below. He gathered the huge pine cones from the branches of his tree. Then he set one alight with bright blue fire and threw it whizzing down among the circle of the wolves. It struck one on the back, and immediately his shaggy coat caught fire, and he was leaping to and fro, yelping horribly. Then another came, and another, one in blue flames, one in red, another in green. They burst on the ground in the middle of the circle and went off in colored sparks and smoke. A specially large one hit the chief wolf on the nose, and he leaped in the air ten feet and then rushed round and round the circle, biting and snapping, even at the other wolves, in his anger and his fright. The dwarves and Bilbo shouted and cheered. The rage of the wolves was terrible to see, and the commotion they made filled all the forest. Wolves are afraid of fire at all times, but this was a most horrible and uncanny fire. If a spark got in their coats, it stuck and burned into them, and unless they rolled over quick, they were soon all in flames. Very soon, all about the glade, wolves were rolling over and over to pull out the sparks on their backs, while those that were burning were running about, howling and setting others alight, till their own friends chased them away, and they fled off down the slopes, crying and yammering and looking for water. What is all this uproar in the forest tonight? said the Lord of the Eagles. He was sitting back in the black in the moonlight on the top of a lonely pinnacle of rock at the eastern edge of the mountains. I hear wolves' voices. Are the goblins at mischief in the woods? He swept up into the air, and immediately two of his guards from the rocks at either hand leapt up to follow him. They circled up in the sky and looked down upon the ring of the wargs, a tiny spot far, far below. But eagles have keen eyes and can see small things at a great distance. The Lord of the Eagles of the Misty Mountains had eyes that could look at the sun unblinking and could see a rabbit moving on the ground a mile below, even in the moonlight. So though he could not see the people in the trees, he could make out the commotion among the wolves and see the tiny flashes of fire and hear the howling and yelping come up faint from far beneath him. Also, he could see the glint of the moon on goblin spears and helmets as long lines of the wicked folk crept down the hillsides from their gate and wound into the wood. Eagles are not kindly birds. Some are cowardly and cruel. But the ancient race of the northern mountains were the greatest of all birds. They were proud and strong and noble-hearted, they did not love goblins or fear them. When they took any notice of them at all, which was seldom, for they did not eat such creatures, they swooped on them and drove them shrieking back to their caves and stopped whatever wickedness they were doing. The goblins hated the eagles and feared them, but could not reach their lofty seats or drive them from the mountains. 
Tonight the Lord of the Eagles was filled with curiosity to know what was afoot. So he summoned many other eagles to him, and they flew away from the mountains, and slowly circling ever round and round, they came down, 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 towards the ring of the wolves and the meeting place of the goblins. A very good thing, too. Dreadful things had been going on down there. The wolves that had caught fire and fled into the forest had set it alight in several places. It was high summer, and on this eastern side of the mountains, there had been little rain for some time. Yellowing bracken, fallen branches, deep-piled pine needles, and here and there dead trees were soon in flames. All around the clearing of the wargs, fire was leaping. But the wolf guards did not leave the trees. Maddened and angry, they were leaping and howling round the trunks and cursing the dwarves in their horrible language with their tongues hanging out and their eyes shining as red and fierce as the flames. Then suddenly goblins came running up yelling. They thought a battle with the woodman was going on, but they soon learned what had really happened. Some of them actually sat down and laughed. Others waved their spears and clasped the shafts against their shields. Goblins are not afraid of fire, and they soon had a plan which seemed to them most amusing. Some got all the wolves together in a pack. Some stacked fern and brushwood round the tree trunks. Others rushed round and stamped and beat and beat and stamped until nearly all the flames were put out. But they did not put out the fire nearest to the trees where the dwarves were. That fire they fed with leaves and dead branches and bracken. Soon they had a ring of smoke and flame all around the dwarves, a ring which they kept from spreading outwards, but it closed slowly in till the running fire was licking the fuel piled under the trees. Smoke was in Bilbo's eyes. He could feel the heat of the flames, and through the reek he could see the goblins dancing round and round in a circle like people round a midsummer bonfire. Outside the ring of dancing warriors with spears and axes stood the wolves at a respectful distance, watching and waiting. He could hear the goblins beginning a horrible song. Fifteen birds in five fir trees, their feathers were fanned in a fiery breeze. But funny little birds, they had no wings. Oh, what shall we do with the funny little things? Roast them alive or stew them in a pot. Fry them, boil them, and eat them hot? Then they stomped and shouted out, Fly away, little birds. Fly away if you can. Come down, little birds, or you will, be, or you will get roasted in your nests. Sing, sing, little birds. Why don't you sing? Go away, little boys, shouted Gandalf in answer. It isn't bird nesting time. Also, naughty little boys that play with fire get punished. He said it to make them angry and to show them he was not frightened of them, though of course he was, wizard though he was. But they took no notice and they went on singing. Burn, burn, tree and fern, shrivel and scorch a fizzling torch to light the night for our delight. Yah, hey, bake and toast them, fry and roast them till beards blaze and eyes glaze till hair smells and skins crack, fat melts and bones black, in cinders lie beneath the sky, so dwarves shall die, and light the night for our delight, ya hey, ya hairy hey, ya hoy, 
and with that Yahoy, the flames were under Gandalf's tree. In a moment, it spread to the others. The bark caught fire, the lower branches cracked. Then Gandalf climbed to the top of the tree. The sudden splendor flashed from his wand like lightning. As he got ready to spring down from on high, right among the spears of the goblins. That would have been the end of him, though he probably would have killed many of them as he came hurtling down like a thunderbolt. But he never leaped. Just at that moment, the Lord of the Eagles swept down from above, seized him in his talons, and was gone. There was a howl of anger and surprise from the goblins. Loud cried the Lord of the Eagles, to whom Gandalf had now spoken. Back swept the great birds that were with him, and down they came, like huge black shadows. The wolves yammered and gnashed their teeth. The goblins yelled and stamped with rage, and flung their heavy spears in the air in vain. Over them swooped the eagles. The dark rush of their beating wings smote them to the floor, or drove them far away. Their talons tore at goblin faces. Other birds flew to the treetops and seized the dwarves, who were scrambling up now as far as they ever dared to go. Poor little Bilbo was very nearly left behind again. He just managed to catch hold of Dory's legs, as Dory was borne off last of all. And up they went together, above the tumult and the burning, Bilbo swinging in the air with his arms nearly breaking. Now far below, the goblins and the wolves were scattering far and wide in the woods, a few eagles were still circling and sweeping above the battleground. The flames about the trees sprang suddenly up above the highest branches. They went up in a crackling fire. There was a sudden flurry of sparks and smoke. Bilbo had escaped only just in time. Soon the light of the burning was faint below, a red twinkle on the black floor, and they were high up in the sky rising all the time in strong, sweeping circles. Bilbo never forgot that flight, clinging on to Dory's ankles. He moaned, my arms, my arms, but Dory groaned, my poor legs, my poor legs. At the best of times, heights made Bilbo giddy. He used to turn queer if he looked over the edge of quite a little cliff, and he had never liked ladders, let alone trees never having had to escape from wolves before. So you can imagine how his head swam now when he looked down between his dangling toes and saw the dark lands opening wide underneath him, touched here and there with the light of the moon on a hillside rock or a stream in the plains. The pale peaks of the mountains were coming nearer, moonlit spikes of rock sticking out of black shadows. Summer or not, it seemed very cold. He shut his eyes and wondered if he could hold on any longer. Then he imagined what would happen if he did not. He felt sick. The flight ended only just in time for him, just before his arms gave way. He loosed Dory's ankles with a gasp and fell onto the rough platform of an eagle's eyrie. There he lay without speaking, and his thoughts were a mixture of surprise at being saved from the fire and fear lest he fall off that narrow place into the deep shadows on either side. He was feeling very queer indeed in his head by this time, after the dreadful adventures of the last three days with next to nothing to eat, and he found himself saying aloud, Now I know what a piece of bacon feels like 
when it is suddenly picked out of a pan on a fork and put back on the shelf. No, you don't, he heard Dory answering, because the bacon knows that it will get back in the pan sooner or later, and, is, and it is to be hoped we shan't. Also, eagles aren't forks. Oh, no, not a bit like storks. Forks, I mean, said Bilbo, sitting up and looking anxiously at the eagle who was perched close by. He wondered what other nonsense he had been saying, and if the eagle would think it rude. You ought not to be rude to an eagle when you are only the size of a hobbit and are up in his area at night. The eagle only sharpened his beak on a stone and trimmed his feathers and took no notice. Soon another eagle flew up. The Lord of the Eagles bids you bring your prisoners to the great shelf, he cried, and was off again. The other seized Dory in his claws and flew away with him into the night, leaving Bilbo all alone. He had just strength, he had just strength to wonder what the messenger had meant by prisoners and to begin to think of being torn up for supper like a rabbit when his own turn came. The eagle came back, seized him in his talons by the back of his coat, and swooped off. This time he flew only a short way. Very soon Bilbo was laid down, trembling with fear, on a wide shelf of rock on the mountainside. There was no path down on it to save by flying, and no path down off it except by jumping over a precipice. There he found all the others sitting with their backs to the mountain wall. The Lord of the Eagles also was there and was speaking to Gandalf. It seemed that Bilbo was not going to be eaten after all. The wizard and the eagle lord appeared to know one another slightly, and even to be on friendly terms. As a matter of fact, Gandalf, who had often been in the mountains, had once rendered a service to the eagles and healed their lord from an arrow wound. So you see, prisoners had meant prisoners rescued from the goblins only, and not captives of the eagles. As Bilbo listened to the talk of Gandalf, he realized that at last they were going to escape really and truly from the dreadful mountains. He was discussing plans with the great eagle for carrying the dwarves and himself and Bilbo far away and setting them down well on their journey across the plains below. The Lord of the Eagles would not take them anywhere near where men live. They would shoot at us with their great bows of yew, he said, for they would think we were after their sheep and at other times they would be right. No, we are glad to cheat the goblins of their sport and glad to repay our thanks to you, but we will not risk ourselves for dwarves in the southward plains. Very well, said Gandalf. Take us where and as far as you will. We are already deeply obliged to you, but in the meantime, we are famished with hunger. I am nearly dead of it, said Bilbo in a weak little voice that nobody heard. That perhaps can be mended, said the Lord of the Eagles. Later on, you might have seen a bright fire on the shelf of a rock and the figures of the dwarves round it cooking and making a fine roasting smell. The eagles had brought up dry boughs for fuel and they had brought rabbits, hares, and a small sheep. The dwarves managed all the preparations. Bilbo was too weak to help. In any way, he was not much good at skinning rabbits or cutting up meat being used to having it delivered by the butcher all ready to cook. Gandalf, too, was lying down after doing his part in setting the fire going, since Oin and Gloin had lost their tinder boxes. Dwarves have never taken to matches, even yet. 
So ended the adventures of the Misty Mountains. Soon Bilbo's stomach was feeling full and comfortable again, and he felt he could sleep contentedly, though really he would have liked a loaf and butter better than bits of meat toasted on sticks. He slept curled up on the hard rock more soundly than ever he had done on his feather bed in his own little hole at home. But all night he dreamed of his own house and wandered in his sleep into all his different rooms looking for something that he could not find nor remember what it looked like. The end of chapter 6.